Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. I want to, uh, this is a Transfiguration Sunday, and uh, so I want to begin with the fact that when I was in seminary, you know, you're supposed to do a study of one passage very deeply, and uh, so I was next to the card catalog, that's how old I am, and uh, a woman in my class, uh, Cynthia Anderson, so if you're listening, um, she, uh, she said to me, what passage are you studying? And I told her which one, and um, I said, what are, you, what are you doing? And she said, I'm, I decided to do the transfiguration. She said, I, I, I want to understand it, and I'm just going to study it till I figure out what, what, you know, what took place. And I, I have to say that ever since um, that, when this comes through in the lectionary, which it does con- constantly because it's in Luke and it's in Mark, um, I, I just want to tell you about this transfiguration um, and make it very clear to you, uh, which it's absolutely not possible to do, but I just want to say, I just remember looking at her in my incredibly critical mind and thinking, you're an idiot, you know, um, what you, how are you going to make that? Uh, I would have loved to read, but anyway, Cynthia, if you're listening, I want to read it. Um, so I want to begin and, and just ask you two questions. And the first question I want to ask you is, have you ever heard a sermon delivered by the Reverend Terry Cole Whitaker? Anybody? Ter- Matthew Hodgkinson, the Reverend Terry? Are you kidding? Um, anyway, um, she's a great preacher. She's also a former Mrs. California. Um, she grew a church in San Diego from 50 members to 8,000, self-reported. Um, I, I know this. I know this number 50 because I was working in a church in Jersey City, and um, as it grew, I said, "Yeah, we started with 50." Um, that's like when the doctor tells you you have a 50-50 chance. Change doctors. Anyway, um, that's not medical. Um, that you're supposed to be a scientist. Anyway, so she had a television ministry which aired to over 400 stations um, around the world. She won an Emmy. But more importantly, in her earlier life, she won third runner-up for the Miss America beauty contest. And when she was third runner-up, she clinched the role of Ms. Pancake of America for Quaker Oats. And she made a lot more money than she would have as Miss America. Um, just saying. Um, the Reverend now, by the way, Dr. Whitaker, has written a best-selling book called, you have to buy this book, um, How to Have More in a Have-Not World. Um, in it, she says you can have exactly what you want when you want it all the time. Affluence is your right. Then for just, you know, like when you're a toddler, give me my pacifier. Um, 
Then for just $25, she will send you what she calls a prosperity kit. You get a bumper sticker and a CD. And um, I, of course, I haven't listened to the CD, but if I had listened to the CD, um, I would have heard these words. I mean, how could I help it? Um, heaven is a cinch. You can have it all now. One person in particular who's a disciple of the Reverend Cole Whitaker is found in this morning's gospel. The Apostle Peter, as we see him in this scene, is doing the very best he can to have it all now. So as we dig into the scene, let me ask you one more question. So hold it, and I want to ask you one more question. Have you had any good theophanies lately? I hope you have. I hope they've been absolutely terrific, that they've just blown you away. Webster's Dictionary defines a theophany as an invisible manifestation of a deity. In other words, when you experience a theophany, you find yourself uniquely in the presence of God. You actually see God in one way or another. So Moses, when he had the burning bush that would not go out, that was for him a theophany, a manifestation. There aren't any doubts in a theophany. There are no wonderings or maybes. You're just overwhelmed by the experience of connecting with God. And you know that it's not something your subconscious has cooked up because it's so far from your normal experience. You're filled with wonder and peace and hope. Even your therapist cannot convince you. You lie to your therapist and say you understand it was just an idea that you got from your mother, but really you know it's something else. And often when you've been feeling just the opposite, the theophany comes. And in my study, 96.8% um, of all theophanies, um, there are tears, not of sorrow, but of joy kind of glory joy, that kind of beautiful happiness. Um, that's just what's happening in today's gospel. It's a wild scene. Jesus takes Peter along with James and John high up on the slopes of this mountain. And they stand there in the clothes of Jesus suddenly, put yourself there now, the clothes of Jesus suddenly become dazzling white and his face shines like the sun, and there's this unearthly brightness all around them. And then, out of nowhere, two patriarchs appear, Moses and Elisha. Now Moses, you remember, was the greatest of the lawgivers. And by law, I mean he, he gave the word. And, 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 and Elijah was the greatest of the prophets. He continued to, to give the word. And all of the history of Israel is now here on this mountain. Now, now, now the Hebrew Bible is sometimes referred to as the Tanakh. 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 And the reason I say that is it's in three parts. The, t, the Torah, right? The, the, the Nabaim, the, the, the prophets, and, and the Ketuvim, the, the writings, like 
first kings, you know. And therefore, all of history rises up to point to Jesus, the Torah, the Word. And then the scene gets even more mysterious. Suddenly, a cloud appears and completely surrounds them. Now, it's reminiscent of, of, of course, of the Mount Sinai moment, right? And it surrounds them. And now the Old Testament consistently, they all have to know this. It consistently speaks of the Messiah coming in the cloud of God's presence. So the implication here is that the cloud on the mountain announces that the Messiah is here. Holy cow, right? Are you with me? It's insane. I mean, it's just insane. And, and remote, remember that when Moses went into the cloud, and we heard it this morning, uh, and, and he receives the, the Torah, the word, the God's law, the people, where were they? They were in the desert, way below. They were somewhere between Egypt and the Promised Land. Uh, uh, Jacob has located them in Saudi Arabia, apparently. He showed me the mountain. Uh, good luck. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> I want to go there, though. I'm convinced it's black on the top. It, it, definitely there. I, I mean, I really, it might, you never know. Shackley vitamins might be the answer. But anyway, um, they are in this land between Egypt and the promised land. They are nowhere. They are completely dependent on manna and water from God. They are um, liminal. I love that word, liminal. They are between. Are you, are, are you liminal? They are between, and they are in the desert. They are not anywhere. And, and into this barren, liminal space, God dropped, absolutely came through with the Torah with the word. We, we bring this scripture, by the way, with us everywhere we go. What was beautiful about the fact that the word came into the liminal space in that Old Testament image is that it's not based, they didn't go to a city, they didn't go to Harvard. It, they didn't get finally make it in New York. Uh, they it wasn't based on any structure or organization. It was a transcendence. So anywhere we go, we are the children of this moment. Anywhere we go, this, these words, this scriptural truth is on our lips. When we come to church, you don't realize how much scripture you're getting. It's not just the words, it's not just the scripture that's, that's said here. It's absolutely throughout the liturgy. You're getting scripture, scripture, scripture all the time. And then in these moments when you're hurting, it just, it just comes to you. Anybody, raise your hand if you've ever had a scripture just come to you when you needed it. Okay, there it is. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? That's why we, we raise our children with the word, so that they have, they, they have manna from heaven when they, when they need it. So as if this is not enough for Peter... Um, one last event concludes the scene. A voice comes from the cloud and says to Peter and the others, this is my beloved son. Now, 
you know, um, listen to him. It also says listen to him. And, and the brightness of the law and the prophets and the cloud and now the voice of God, what's going on here? I think it's something like Madame, you know, Lengel's book, A Wrinkle in Time. It's a crack in the universe. It's a split second in which all the distortions of time and space are erased. It's a moment in which we're given a glimpse of Jesus as he really is, the ultimate reality, the truth, the Son of God. Someone said to me, is the kingdom something that's going to come or is it now? Well, it's now sometimes and, some t and, and ultimately always. Right? Right? Now sometimes? And the question for this morning is, what about you and me? Because there's more than just Peter and James and John up on that mountain. You and I are there too at one time or another. You and I have had mountaintop experiences as well, in which for just a moment, all of the distortions and the shadows have faded away, and just a glimpse has been given of how God really wants things to be just a glimpse of the fullness of love and peace and joy. As Martin Luther King put it, the arc of justice. It's been there. We, we've seen it. You've had moments of it. I'm thinking, yeah, anyway, transfiguration moments are wonderful. We can remember where they took place, maybe even recall the feelings and the time. I remember just hating my, my body at, at some point. I was just not loving my body. And, I, and, and my, my husband just started kissing me. And every place he kissed me, he said, and I love this part, and I love this part, and I love your knees. And, you know, it was pretty good. And I thought, well, okay. It was quite healing, you know, right? But the dying of the light is hard, no? What about coming down? What about the fading? That wonderful dialogue in Romeo and Juliet. It's the only night they have together, and morning has come, and they have a dialogue about the nightingale versus the lark. The lark would, would, would mean that Romeo has to leave, and the nightingale means that he can stay. And, and Shakespeare puts it so beautifully. Juliet says, Wilt that be gone? It is not yet near day. It was the nightingale and not the lark, Romeo, that, that perceived the fearful hollow in thine ear. Nightly she sings on the pomegranate tree. Believe me, love, it was the nightingale. And Romeo says, It was the lark the herald of the morn, no nightingale. I must be gone and live or stay and die. And Moses, who wore a veil over his bright face when he came down from Sinai, said, St. Paul, we are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. It's so painful to see things die. The end of glory. Dylan Thomas really has it in that 
in that great poem, it kept ringing in my ears as I was thinking about this sermon, do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Good for you, good for you, good school. <laughs> so I understand it when Peter makes a fool of himself. In the final portion of this transfiguration scene, he doesn't want to leave. Transfigurations are so wonderful that the natural tendency is to want to stay on the mountaintop or in the bed or to rage. And once you have a taste of it, you really want to have it all now. And that's why Peter gets so busy building three dwellings, one for Moses and one for Elijah and one for Jesus, three booths to stake out a claim on God. How many times have we done that? I know, I'll, I'll keep my marriage intact. I'm going to put a new kitchen in. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Just as Peter is about to start building, God's voice booms from the cloud. This is my son. And that, thank God, is when Peter finally flunks as a disciple of the Reverend Dr. Cole Whitaker. That is when Peter begins to understand what you and I are called to know as well, that we do not live up there on the mountain. We have our theophanies, but our real homes are in the valleys we are given. We are given wonderful glimpses of the top, but we live and move and have our being down below in the midst of a bruised world. Or as Bishop Alpha Muhammad put it, in this deterioration planet. And it is precisely in the midst of our valleys that we have this news to proclaim that the Son of God says to us this morning, look up, raise your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Look up to the summit and see that our brief glimpses of the transfigured Christ are not the end. Because Jesus went on from this mountain to another summit, this one in the shape of a skull. And because of his death on that he is now able and wants to and desired to come down from the summit to our valleys. We are invited to look up and raise our heads and see him coming down, not just walking, but leaping and bounding down the slopes and meeting us at the bottom and giving us a God we can know, know and trust and walk with, no longer in the liminal place, maybe in the desert, but never alone or without hope or comfort or guidance. Isn't that amazing? It's not, it's not just a cloud anymore. You know, I always, I was thinking about where does this occur? Where do we see trans, transfiguration? And I, I see it endlessly. And maybe this is, I see it endlessly in the Special Olympics. You know, it's just over and over again. 
in 2022, the Special Olympics was in Orlando. And I would say that this was just a moment of the transfiguration of, of Jesus bounding down from the mountaintop and touching people so many times, families being healed, people being touched. So I want to close just describing a moment that occurred in the Winter Games in Boise, Ohio, Idaho. I'm, I'm from New York. I could care less. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't, you know, I was born 10 blocks from here. Um, in a hospital that doesn't exist anymore. Um, anyway, a special needs youngster, a 12-year-old named Hermod Obayi, he's a speed skater from Qatar. Uh, that's like being a bobsled team from Jamaica, by the way. Um, it's nuts. I don't know where he, anyway. But he did. He competed in this speed skating competition and as soon as he finished his own race, he had to rush to the airport to get on a 24-hour plane to Qatar. Um, and so he didn't know that he had won a silver medal. Um, but when the Special Olympics officials realized what had happened, they said, we can't let Hermod leave like that. So they called up the Boise Police Department and the Boise police called up the Idaho State Police. And in no time at all, the squadron of state police cars came to the skating rink, and the officer placed the medal in a Ziploc bag. And off they went to the airport, lights flashing and sirens singing, a phalanx of cruisers giving that medal an escort. And at the airport security, they had been alerted, and so when the police escort pulled up at the curb, the federal air marshals were right there to hurry them through the metal detectors, and the airport, uh, at the, and at, right at that place, the director of the security was a man named Richard McConnell, and he'd been alerted, and he started dashing through the airport, telling passengers everywhere what was happening, and inviting them to gather at Herod's Gate. Herman, of course, had no idea that any of this was happening. He was just waiting at his gate. He was standing there leaning against a pillar. Um, he was just getting ready to board a terrible flight until he turned around to see a bunch of cops walking toward him with a huge crowd behind the officers. Can you imagine? He thought, you can imagine what he thought, anyway. So his friends say he looked like he was gonna faint. I think he thought he was gonna be arrested. Um, but the police handed the Ziploc bag to Richard McConnell, and McConnell ceremoniously took out the medal and walked over to Hermod and as hundreds of people started cheering and applauding, McConnell placed the medal around Hermod's neck. So, in the midst of this deteriorating planet, God's tender mercy. In the midst of this bruised world, a moment of transfiguration. It's beautiful, right? That's you and me. That's possible. 
When you leave this church, who knows? Who knows what medals you can put on people? Think of it. It's really incredible. So when you leave the church today, take a look up at the, you know, St. George's, the two, I guess you can't really, those two peaks, what, what do you want to call those things? Um, I guess they didn't want to get gothic, so they got another way. The two bits that stick up in the air, um, what do they call those things? A tower, because it's not a spire, right? It's like a tower. Yeah. And, and you know, they, they put the, at one point, that was the highest building around here. But they put those things on churches like, it's like a, a nod at the idea that we've seen God, or we sort of, we touch God. That, that's what that is, I think. It's just a sort of a, see? <laughs> or up there. Um, but think this, that God came down and loved us right here in the valleys of our lives. And he loves the people of this city in the valleys of their lives. And he loves every single one of us, no matter how far we think we've scrambled from his reaching arms. And he loves your feet and your knees and your elbows and your arms and your belly and your chest and your head. He loves all of you. And we've heard the word, and we've seen glimpses of glory, and we know a God who sends us down into the, down into the, into the heart of this bereaved city to love those who are hurting. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.